Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to give a big shout out to some of my most recent Patreon supporters. Nathan, Odin, Brad, Eric, Samuel, Peterson, Jeff Flexer, Greg Blazer, Eric Crow, and Don Mike. Thank you so much for all of your support, and if I could, I would make out with all of you right now. If you don't know what Patreon is, it is a platform where you can help support the podcast monetarily through different tiers. Depending on which tier you select, you can gain early access to podcast episodes, exclusive access to bonus episodes and other material, and if you really want to see some more of the risque content that I can't really post on traditional social media platforms because of censorship, you will find that content on the top two tiers of Handler and Leather Daddy. This next episode is very special to me. In fact, because of its length, I've made the decision to split this up into two parts. So this week you will hear part one, and next week you can hear part two. Again, if you are a Patreon member, you have access or have had access to this already. Our next guest comes all the way from Chicago, and he's a true game changer in the leather community. He flags green and red, among some other colors. He's an advocate for access to healthcare for the LGBTQ community, and is the very first trans person to hold the title of Mr. Chicago Leather. Get ready for some more leather talk. I was on Scruff and Grinder before starting testosterone. I'm fortunate that a natural masculine appearance and small chest allows me to move through men's spaces easily, whether it's through an online profile or a darkroom corner. I feel powerful taking my shirt off. Under the glow of neon lights, my chest protrudes just enough to draw him in and make him curious. He notices that I have supple nipples that are asking to be pinched and sucked. When you're pressed up against each other in a crowded space in the dark, hands wander. He feels up my torso and cups one of my tits, pinching hard. I know he knows. Men have a certain look in their eye when they know. Heavy bass music makes it feel more intense when my heart starts to race, and I wonder how far he wants to go before he's disappointed. He still plays with my nipple, examining my body, my face, speculating if he wants to go any farther or if he's already bored. I place a hand on the small of his back, and as he places both hands on my my chest, I bring him in a little closer, my other hand rubbing his furry belly and tease his belt line. He's actually wearing a belt. I look him in the eye and tug on his buckle. He meets my eye. I extend my hand from my fingertips to lightly press on his bulge. He's hard. I feel his dick twitch as he takes one hand off my chest and presses it between my legs. This is what I call the moment of truth. I'm not packing. There's nothing separating him from my cunt but a zipper and a jockstrap. He realizes this now. He disapproves. He drops his hands, but not before he gets one last tick grab. He turns away from me and begins feeling up the man standing behind him. 
I still feel powerful. I still feel powerful because I know I'm not the only one that experiences this. The other guy didn't get to undo that buckle either. Who knows who did? Some of us are too skinny, too fat, too trans, too old, too black, not wearing the right harness and jockstrap combo. Any number of factors can cause these fleeting moments to end. I stand tall with my shoulders back, tits up, feeling another man's sweat against my back, a pair of arms drape around my neck. It's a friend of mine. He has a bottle of poppers and lets me take a sniff. We sway to the music together. You look so hot tonight. Having fun? He yells into my ear. I do look hot tonight. I give my friend a smile and a nod. He returns the smile and lets his arms lazily fall off my shoulders, just in time for another man to squeeze in next to me and touch my chest. Wow. That is a very deep and profound recollection. Now, this kind of monologue, I guess you could say, um, was actually an article that you wrote and was eventually published by the gay fetish social app known as Recon. Now, as you're talking us through this, are you going through in your mind moments like this that have actually happened? I would say it's a definitely it's definitely happened and it's actually happened probably several times that I can think of just just off the top of my head. Honestly, probably probably every night that I go to a bar that's meant to be like a leather bar or a cruising space, I'd be surprised if it probably happens at least once a night. Mm-hmm. Basically just a very similar kind of thing where somebody comes up to me and maybe they might not be totally sure or maybe they are and now they're just gonna kind of try to feel me up to see if maybe they're into it and you know sometimes now guys are a little more into it but it's always kind of interesting when you know they're essentially kind of just experimenting you with you for a few minutes or maybe just a few seconds really most of the time it's like a few fleeting seconds and then it's over. Yeah. Well, before we dive in uh, any deeper, our next guest here on Leather Talk is Butch Romero. And Butch, welcome to the show. Would you mind introducing yourself, please? Yeah. My name is Butch, and I am Mr. Chicago Leather 2020. And actually now, I guess technically Mr. Chicago Leather 2021 as well, as my next contest will not be held until 2022. And I'm transgender, he, him pronouns. Awesome. And um, how do you identify for your sexual orientation? Bisexual. Bisexual. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So you are are one of the, the first trans people I've been able to lock down some time with for the Leather Talk podcast. And I think it's very, very important because I see really our, our community making strides in, in, in a forward direction, I would say, having uh, yourself, having Elliot as uh, Mr. L.A.L., having Jack Thompson as, as IML. Uh, what, what do you think about all of this, you know, I would call it progress? I would say as somebody that was in the audience live, for that IML that Jack won and as well as seeing somebody like Elliot, both of them obviously in top 20 and seeing their names called. I would say that while the progress in a way feels long, in the same sense, Mm -hmm. it feels very kind of organic and natural. 
I've been attending IML for a long time. This, you know, at least for somebody my age, I'm turning 32 in a few weeks. And my first IML was 2010, which I believe that was the year that the first transgender IML, Tyler McCormick. And seeing as basically as as we've come within those 10 years and, you know, within that 10 years, people have had tons of hardship, tons of heartbreak, tons of really incredibly trying times. But it's kind of interesting that, you know, essentially, you know, history is written by the victors, right? So we have these incredibly high times of, you know, somebody like Tyler McCormick winning and now somebody like Jack Thompson winning and everybody's like, oh, that's progress. But it's a lot harder to get like kind of down to the nitty gritty of what that of, of what that progress costs in a way. And it, it costs a lot. It costs a lot of hardship. It costs a lot of, you know, blood, sweat and tears. It costs a lot of work to to essentially have gotten somebody like Jack up there, you know, and even it, it took obviously a lot of work for him as an individual, but even just for the entire team of people that were behind him and obviously, you know, any number of people that came before him. And even for me personally, uh, for my title, Mr. Chicago Leather, I'm the first, you know, transgender person to hold it. And so even if there hasn't been anyone before me, it doesn't change the fact that there essentially was kind of so much work put into the background for somebody like me to even be able to step on that stage and and be able to do that and win there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just going back to your story a little bit, because I, I, I do want to dive into into that that experience that the experience of going into a sexual space like that and and feeling like the guy that was feeling you up is suddenly not into you because of the fact that he finds out that you're not packing in your words would you say that that's a very common experience for people that identify as uh, transgender male i would definitely say i i actually so before the article was published and I sent it to a few friends basically to proofread it, edit it, and basically every single trans guy that I sent I sent it to was like, holy shit, like you're either going to make me cry right now or I'm like – basically everyone that I sent it to felt like a very emotional kind of way because I, I honestly don't think I know one trans guy who has not been there where they are in a space that – they have to really kind of reach deep down inside to even pull themselves into there. And, and you know more than likely when you're there that you may be the only one there that is like you. Now it's maybe getting a little different where maybe I know of maybe at least one other trans guy that's in that space. But more often than not, we're the only one. And to be in that space and you're just, you, no matter how maybe confident you may feel and even you know it doesn't matter if you're somebody like me who's maybe only been on testosterone for a couple of years or maybe you've been on for 10 years or what have you you still always kind of have it it never kind of really fully goes away in the back of your head of you know is this going to be the time where it's going to be okay or am i going to get turned away again yeah absolutely i know that there's there's many layers i, I guess to to your story and um there's you coming out I'm sure sexually, I'm sure 
as far as your gender identity and then coming out into the into the leather scene and then experiencing all of that and your title i wonder if we could kind of go back to when it all started and can we talk a little bit about you coming out to your friends and family and when was that and how was that uh yeah so i'm probably like most most transgender folks in general, where, you know, we have to obviously come out more than once. And my first time coming out, (laughs) I was actually 14 when I came out as a lesbian to my family. And my mom was incredibly supportive right off the bat. If anything, she was like, I don't even really know why you feel like you need to say anything because everybody knows. <laughs> and I was only four, like, and I was only fourteen, right? I was I was a kid, um, but I've always been very butch, very masculine. You know, I was always the tomboy and always hanging out with the boys, and I don't know, playing sports or whatever. And I was I kind of actually came out by accident, um, and my mom just ended up finding out, and she's like, you know, nobody nobody cares because everybody knows, you know, Lisa, this isn't this isn't a secret. And I was like, oh, okay, great. So, <laughs> and so and it kind of sucked actually because here I am, like, you know, agonizing over it in my head, like thinking, you know, bad things are going to happen because you know I was fourteen, like I didn't really know what to expect with my family because um, a lot of people that I speak to you know, that we may know that are gay or bisexual or transgender, you know, many people may come from religious families who, you know, they remember being younger and, you know, maybe they had family members that were openly homophobic or were openly transphobic or openly said very disparaging things about gay and transgender folks. Uh, But for me, my family never actually said anything. I come from a family with a strong uh, immigrant background. And growing up, I never heard anybody say anything about anything. Yeah, I come from a Catholic family and nobody ever said anything. So I really had absolutely no idea like how my family would react. I didn't grow up with any gay people around me that I knew of. I literally never, ever heard anyone in my family even say anything homophobic or anything related to gay people, period, nothing. So I really had absolutely no idea what to think. And so I was genuinely surprised that my mom just straight up didn't care because I, I, I literally didn't know. And quite frankly, it wasn't even like she even ever gave me an idea for her to even have an issue with it. But it felt really good to have her just, just you know, just straight up, you know, her, her support for me never wavered. And mm-hmm. I been incredibly fortunate for that and even with all my sisters I'm the oldest of four my my sisters have been you know my rock basically my entire life and so I came out very early and essentially was able to you know become very actively involved in school in regards to helping you know, forward certain policies within our school to actually make it more comfortable for us to even be in school. When, you know, when I was in high school, we had gay straight alliances. I think they're called now gender and sexuality alliances. Uh, But back then they, they were gay straight alliances. And, you know, we had different days like the day of silence or coming out day that we would 
that we would do and put on. And this was happening at a time, you know, in the early 2000s where it was actually still like incredibly controversial to do things like that. I mean, during the day of silence, we had T-shirts and we would put up signs and, you know, homophobic slurs would be written all over our signs and marker. You know, if people saw us in the hallways with our T-shirts on, people would throw bottles at us. People would throw papers at us. People would people would throw things at us or people would shove you against lockers. Uh, so I grew up in you know, in high school in kind of like that very hostile environment. I had my first girlfriend in high school and we could barely hold hands because if people saw us too close together, they would immediately tell on us. And like we were literally being sent to our dean's office like once a week because people would say really incredibly ridiculous things. Like people would lie and say they saw us having sex in the hallway or that we were like excessively making out or something, whatever they wanted to say, because we couldn't even hold hands without people having a problem with it. And I mean, I graduated high school in 2006, and that was that was essentially an issue that I was dealing with all throughout my high school years. Um, so it was a very intense time, and it was just a very kind of huge turning point for our community in general. But I, I grew up essentially a very proud dyke at one point, and I was, I was incredibly involved in the lesbian community and in the women's community, and that is the foundation of, of everything for me within the community, and, and especially even the leather community, and that's what I started in. And so moving into a space now, really, that's actually incredibly recent for me, just in the last couple of years of essentially entering a predominantly male and gay male space is is a very new experience for me only because even though I've always had gay friends and I've always you know I've always have been involved in some way in male spaces whether it's volunteering to put them on or supporting them or what have you now actually being a participant in it and in the middle of it is something absolutely incredibly different that I don't think I ever would have really been totally prepared for for anything that I was involved in beforehand. Mm -hmm. And uh, w w when did you when did you find or discover, I guess, that, that you were trans, or did you always know that you were transgender? So I will say for me personally, my development into being a transgender male is probably very, very different from most of my friends and most of the people that we know in the leather community, because, you know, almost every, anybody that I talk to will more than likely be able to tell you like, oh yeah, I remember, you know, being, you know, hating the gender that I was assigned or whatever. It, but for me personally, did I grow up hating being a girl or a woman? No, actually I, I didn't, but it, I want to say it's only because I come from a family where I, I, just because of the way that I was raised, I never actually had any men around. My father left my family when I was very young. And that actually is the case as well for all of my sister's dads. Um, you know, there, there, was, there was multiple fathers in my family and we all grew up together, uh, but we didn't actually have any men around really. So I think for me personally, I never necessarily had an issue being a girl or being a woman or being seen in that fashion simply because 
in many ways, I didn't know any differently outside of whatever I may have saw on TV or, or school or what have you. But I, I didn't have any men around me, you know, at home. So I, I didn't necessarily feel out of place or like something was wrong with me because I didn't see anything different. And on top of that, my mother, because of how I was, like I said, I've always been incredibly masculine, even since I was a young child. My mother never pushed me to be something that I wasn't. Ever since I was very young, you know, I always wanted to wear more sporty kind of clothes. I didn't, I never wore any dresses. I, you know, I didn't wear any feminine clothing. And and ever since I was a very small child, a very small kid, I told my mom, like, I don't want to wear this. I want, I told her I want boys clothes or I want t-shirts or I want pants or what have you. And so whenever we went, you know, shopping for school clothes or something, you know, my mom would you know, have all my sisters in one section. And once they were done, we would all go to the boy section so I could pick out t-shirts and pants. And and my mother never fought me on that. So I think I was just very lucky that my mom, you know, never pushed me to be feminine. She never pushed me to, to be something that I wasn't. So I, I essentially never had an issue. Like once I grew up and, you know, once I essentially first came out as a lesbian and essentially I was you know this butch young butch lesbian growing up into high school you know I, I I never felt like there was really anything wrong with me I think what really was a turning point for me is it wasn't really until I want to say probably mid-20s where I just kind of started noticing I, I had recently broken up with this girl, kind of had this like really just weird, fast and furious relationship. Um, and after we broke up, I, I didn't necessarily want to jump into dating or anything, but I couldn't help but notice that I kind of just started finding men more attractive in a way that I just wasn't used to. And I didn't really get it at first, but I figured I was single and I essentially ended up starting to sexually experiment with men. And it was it was very weird for me at first and it was incredibly awkward. Um, and it became incredibly awkward to talk with other future girlfriends that I would have. Um where I was still very much entrenched, like in lesbian community and women's community. Um, and I started feeling like something was really, really wrong with me, where part of me still very much felt like a lesbian. But I was like, but why am I into men? I don't get it. And it was through actually sexually experimenting with men where I realized part of the reason why it was awkward for me was because I didn't want to have sex with men as a woman. And it's interesting because the first time I had sex with a guy, I want to say he was straight. And that was my first and only time ever hooking up with a straight guy. So I personally feel lucky that it was like a one and done thing because we unfortunately have a lot of friends that still cannot make it a one and done thing and dump straight men out of their life. So if I also just need to say anything, stop doing cishet men, just leave them out of their life, leave cishet men behind. Uh, but my next, <laughs> the next guy, the public next guy, I, yeah, public service <laughs> announcement, 
leaves his head men behind. Stop it. Like literally, unless they're gay or bi, leave them alone. Mm-hmm. Do not waste your mm-hmm. time. But anyway, um, but the next guy that I hooked up with was actually gay. And it was very weird because at this time I still in many ways, even though I was sexually experiencing experimenting with men, I mean, I, I still very much felt like a like a butch lesbian. I didn't really know how to describe it. Uh, but I went out to, you know, a bar with friends, or whatever. It was a gay bar. We were hanging out. We were having a good time. And and there was a guy there. Don't even remember the hell his name anymore because it was already like, what, seven years ago now. Um, don't even remember his name. Um, but, you know, we were hanging out and we just happened to have mutual friends. So he showed up and he's there. And the next thing I know, he's like, you know, I, I don't know how to explain this, but I find you like really attractive. And I basically ended up going back home with him to his apartment. And just our sexual experience together was incredibly different. It was like something that I had never experienced before. It was definitely not also something that he had ever experienced before. And it that's kind of when it kind of started clicking like with me of why do I all of a sudden feel comfortable with people seeing me as a man? And I wasn't really sure if that was what it was. Now I now my language is a little better and my understanding of myself is a little better if that that's kind of what that was. Uh, but at the time, I didn't really know how to explain it. And now it, it's it's a lot easier for me, especially with being on testosterone and my body becoming a lot more masculine and different and, you know, things like growing facial hair and my muscular structure changing where now I I realize that that's, that's, that that's essentially what I wanted or what I would probably essentially evolve into. Uh, So I will say that my personal progression into the transgender male side is only different because it, 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 it wasn't so much like, you know, I always felt transgender or I always felt like I was in the wrong body or, or anything like that. And in fact, I, even looking back, I don't, I don't even see anything wrong with the body I had before, because quite frankly, I mean, aside from some facial hair and body hair, and I don't know, probably like 20 pounds lighter, it's not really any much different, but it, it, the, the thing is, is that it's, it's kind of almost more of like a, a Pokemon evolution where... I was just literally thinking that. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, it's like, so, so it's like, if we think of it, so I think a really good way to think of it is like, so Charmander was already, was always my favorite Pokemon. And so you have like this cute little like lizard with, you know, it's flame and everything. And then it turns into Charmeleon you know, and it's like a bigger lizard and, you know, it's got a bigger flame and, you know, Charmeleon feels like all like a badass and everything. And then you obviously have Charizard, which is like the full, you know, lizard with wings and, you know, huge fire and and all these different kinds of things. But like Charizard is not necessarily, while it's an evolution, it's not necessarily a better version of Charmeleon. And the funny thing is that Charmeleon with, you know, being in the middle section doesn't necessarily think that Charmander was like a lesser version or anything different. You know, it, it's like when 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 the evolutions in the of themselves are actually like 
are actually individual experiences. And they're individual experiences that are still valid within their own right. One is not necessarily better than the other or lesser than the other. And funny enough is that a Pokemon actually is still very much able to choose in a way as to whether they want to evolve or not. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a Pokemon can actually very much become incredibly powerful, you know, with more levels and, and, and more experience and can actually still be even more powerful than a higher evolution simply through training and experience. So, so in a way that's how, I see it for myself where it's not necessarily like I necessarily feel more fulfilled right now, you know, being on hormones or what have you compared to beforehand, because I, I actually still very much loved who I was before. I, I, I loved being a butch lesbian. I honestly really, really did. And I, and I have had so many incredible enriching experiences within that life that I had. And I was genuinely happy as that. It just obviously, as I got older, got to a point where for whatever reason, I honestly kind of at one point asked myself, like, do I actually see myself growing into an older woman? And quite frankly, there was a part of me that, that said no. And so that's why I am who I am now. And so now I'm just in this other, you know, new evolution. And I'll be perfectly honest, I'm, there's a part of me that is not 100% sure if I'm done evolving. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not, there's part of me that isn't entirely sure if, if, you know, just because I'm a transgender man right now means that that's what I'm going to be you know, 10 years from now, because as we can see, just from the evolution of our own community, you know, people have so many different kinds of identities right now that we didn't have even 10 years ago, even, you know, when I was in high school, there's, there's a ton of stuff that people are right now or identify as that, that we literally didn't have words for like 10 years ago. Right. So, so 10 years from now, I, you know, maybe I'll, you know, be a more evolved transgender man, or, or maybe I'll be something else entirely. And to be perfectly honest, I'm completely open to that. Wow. That is so, uh, that is so deep. And I, I don't know if I've ever heard it before described as, as an evolution, as you say, but I, I totally understand that analogy. I mean, one, because that's all the only video game I played as a child was Pokemon, but <laughs> absolutely same. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's so interesting. It's, it's funny too, because like on some levels, you know, Char- Charmander would, uh, when he's about to evolve to Charizard, I'd be like, no, but Char- Charmander or Charmeleon, he's is so cute. Like, I'm going to stop the evolution. And then like 10, 10 levels later, it tries to evolve again and I'll let it. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, it, and it's just totally interesting because I personally, I, I completely own who I was before I started testosterone. You know, it was, you know, it was something incredibly important to me to be who I was. You know, just a year before I started testosterone, I got married to my wife. I have a wife Mm -hmm. and we had a lesbian wedding and I loved having a lesbian wedding. I will tell you right now that if there's anything that I'm really, really happy that I accomplished, you know, 
pre-transition was that I got to have a lesbian wedding and I, and I loved it. I tell people that all the time and people get a little confused, <laughs> but it's, it's honestly like one of the better, happier moments of my life pre-transition. It wasn't just that I got married, but I, I honestly, like I love specifically that I had a lesbian wedding because that's what that was at the time. And it's funny that even a year prior, you know, when, when I, got married to my wife literally a year later I started testosterone but within that year it's like there was a complete 180 because when we got married I literally did not have any sort of kind of inkling in my mind of like possibly essentially transitioning or becoming transgender you can even ask my wife I mean we, there was literally no discussion of it whatsoever. It was literally within probably six to eight months of us after, you know, I, after we got married, where all of a sudden I was like, shit, like, I think I totally fucked up. And she's like, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. How does, uh, how did your wife feel or how did she feel at the beginning? And has that changed to where she's at now with the, with the, with your whole transition? So I think I'm personally really lucky that my wife actually had a transgender partner before me, uh, that she also had uh, been in partnership with essentially through kind of initial transition. So it was something that she kind of was already familiar with. And also I will say that quite frankly, in regards to the women's community as a whole, not particularly just leather community, but the women's community in general is quite frankly, a lot more comfortable in regards to transgender people and, and, and working with people that are transgender and making space for people that are transgender. And particularly when it comes to relationships, I'll be perfectly honest. Almost everyone that I know within our women's community is either in a relationship with a transgender partner or at one point was like, it's literally not uncommon at all or not anything weird or strange to be comfortable with. And even if you look at like the difference between international miss leather and international Mr. Leather, you know, when you have all of the, alumni for International Miss Leather stand up on stage, there's multiple different kinds of people up there. There's cisgender women, there are trans women, there are trans men, there are non-binary people. Literally, you know, the gamut of the gender spectrum is up on that stage because that essentially, that is a real reflection of the community as a whole and the women's community as a whole, in a way, has always just been way more comfortable with gender fucking in general. So, no, it wasn't anything weird for my wife at all. And, and also, I mean, she, she also just really wasn't surprised. She was like, honestly, I've just kind of been waiting for you to be honest about that. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, it was really essentially just me that needed apparently to catch up to myself. <laughs> but... So I have been very, very lucky that, you know, she's actually in a way has kind of already been through this and was already essentially ready for, you know, me to, to, to go through that and for me to just just be able to come into that. Mm -hmm. 
I love I love that your your family, your mother especially and 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 your wife are so open just allowed you to be you. And I why can't more people be like that? I mean like I, I, I am a little bit jealous, I have to say, you know. Um You know, it's funny. When I was in high school, one of the things that we were essentially tasked to do as the Gay Straight Alliance was we had a local PFLAG chapter, which PFLAG stands for uh, Parents and Family of Lesbians and Gays. I don't know if they've changed their name at all. They probably haven't, but that was PFLAG. And we had, so we had a local PFLAG chapter. And those of us that were in the GSA, once a year, we would actually go to the PFLAG chapter and basically speak with any parents and family members of lesbians and gays. And the, and the purpose of PFLAG was essentially created to specifically help family members become more comfortable and accepting of other of their family members that were lesbian and gay and coming to terms with that. So we as high schoolers would come to speak to them to explain like, yeah, you know, this was kind of like a coming out experience or this is what it is like in our families or this is what, you know, you can do to become more comfortable with that. And I remember the first time I went to go speak with this chapter, I was telling my mom, I think I was probably like 15 or 16. And when I essentially was explaining to my mom that I was speaking to this group of people to help them understand how to become comfortable. She's like, you need a group for that? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, she's like, I, like I had to really explain to her, like, well, there's people that don't feel comfortable, you know, having a kid that's gay or having a kid that's a lesbian or having, you know, a, a niece that's a lesbian or whatever. And she was like, why? Like, I can't change you. There's nothing that I can do. You know, why would it, why? Like, she, she just was just basically like, that's stupid. Like, why would you ever have a problem with that? And so I was like, I mean, I don't know what to tell you, Ma, but there are people that have a problem with it. <laughs> you know, yeah, I love that. I love that your mom needs to be a spokesperson, a spokesperson for PFLAG because it's it's just so true. I, I was just having this discussion the other day. I, you know, periodically I go um, and visit my family. And uh, it's so funny because outwardly it seems like we're so good, like we're so on the same page. But every time I go to see them, there's just a, a discussion where it comes down to the nitty gritty and it's like, it's like, oh, okay, so your mind really hasn't changed, has it, since high school? Okay, like, well, <laughs> glad I don't live here anymore, you know. But um, it's just so it's it goes beyond me, I think, beyond my head to just think like, why can't you just accept people for who they are, you know? Yeah, and it's and and I feel. I always like just count my stars in regards to it because I, I'll be perfectly honest. I have no idea what my life would be like if my family did have a problem with me in any way. And even my aunt and my uncle, I didn't actually even really come out to them. I brought my first girlfriend over after high school. So my first college girlfriend to a New Year's Eve party that my aunt and uncle were throwing. So I had not actually came out to my aunt and uncle at that time. They literally had never actually heard me profess I am a lesbian. But now I am here bringing my girlfriend over to their New Year's Eve party. And I kissed her, you know, when the clock stroke midnight. And 
my uncle's birthday is in January. I want to say his birthday is January 8th. So like two weeks later, they had a birthday dinner for him. I wasn't there, but my mom was. And my aunt and uncle were like, oh, so uh gay huh they're 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 gay <laughs> and my mom was like yeah yeah she's been gay so <laughs> like we're basically like where have you been <laughs> so um but i but and it has basically been like that ever since but my but my uncle didn't even like say anything or i mean honestly didn't even ask me questions in some ways i'm not gonna lie they probably kind of ignored it just like in their own way but they never did anything that necessarily made me feel uncomfortable or didn't say that, you know, was bad or not allowed or, or what have you, you know, I, I, I've always have been able to bring over any girlfriends or partners that I have. And, you know, we've always spent, you know, so many different kind of family holidays and everything together. You know, I've, I've always had the space to do that. Right. And I, and I honestly, my family is, is incredibly close and we're an incredibly close immigrant family. And, and I really, really just don't know what my life would be like if it was in any way an issue for me to be me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you said something earlier uh, that kind of caught my attention, and I do want to pick your brain a little bit about it. Um, you, okay, so you mentioned that you know when you identified as a as a female and and a, a lesbian that you started to have uh, sexual thoughts, I guess, towards men. But what caught my attention was that you said, I wasn't interested in experiencing sex with a man as a woman. And I wanted to ask if that had anything to do with traditional set views of, of gender roles in the bedroom, if that makes any sense. I don't know. Uh, yeah, actually, that's, that is probably a pretty good way to put it only because essentially within the lesbian spectrum is, is, you know, to put it plainly, I was always the top essentially. Okay. So I feel like in having sexual attraction and, and getting into the sexual attraction with men was kind of very jarring for me. Cause I, I basically did not essentially, you know, the first time that I had sex with a man and essentially was personally penetrated was not until my twenties. So to go from always having sex with women and having, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, the first time I had sex with a woman, I was 14. So going, you know, having all this experience and so many years behind me of having sex with women and never having been on that other side of the sexual spectrum. And essentially, I, I think that was kind of part of it where quite frankly, I didn't know how to be a bottom. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, and it was an incredibly awkward experience for me at first. I'm now firmly versatile, but it did definitely take a lot of personal work for me to get there. And this is only, th this is also kind of a very common experience that you'll find with transgender people is that there's a different kind of line, essentially, where in many ways we're not able to fully be ourselves and experience ourselves until we have 
some sort of medical transition, not to say that there aren't transgender people that, you know, do not have, you know, perfectly fine, fulfilling lives and sex lives, you know, without medical transition, but being on hormones, experiencing a physical transition, you know, having surgeries, it makes an incredibly big difference in how you can interact with your body personally and how Mm -hmm. other people end up interacting with your body. So in, in saying that where I essentially didn't want to be seen as a woman, that's, and how I say that, you know, once I had sex with a gay man where it's just, it's just totally different. And even, and, and, and everybody knows the difference because you can obviously, you can obviously watch porn and see porn between a man and a woman and then see a porn with two men. And it's, it's obviously, it's not the same thing. It's literally night and day. So it's basically, that was very much the same thing for me. And now granted, my body isn't necessarily totally different. However, it's different enough to now, you know, the interactions that I have with men take on a completely new life that I didn't have before. Mm-hmm. No, it's just so it's so interesting because gender roles, traditional ideas of gender roles, they they go so far even into the gay community. Sometimes I remember hooking up with this guy, and um, he <laughs> he didn't do anything. Like, okay, he got hard, <laughs> and so I so afterwards he was just like, "Oh, you're welcome," kind of, and then I was like you're welcome for what he's like well for like doing all this and i was like oh you think you did something no i fucked you oh my god it's so funny like no i fucked you you were the bottom (laughs) (laughs) but it's just so funny like uh, but i I did want to ask you know more about sort of kind of coming into yourself as, as a man um and, you know, if I ask any questions that you're not comfortable answering to, or if you think it's an inappropriate question, you can always tell me. I, I don't I don't mean to, you know, ask any offensive questions, but I am genuinely curious how you felt about yourself as you started to notice more masculine traits. So, like, I, I, how, how, was, how did you feel when you woke up one day and you were like, oh, I'm starting to get facial hair. Oh, my, my structure is starting to change a little bit here. Um, like, how did you embrace that? So it's really funny that you say that because, so I always tell people that particularly transitioning from female to male feels like, you know, those parts in movies that have werewolves and you see like a man and you see like a man transitioning into a werewolf. So that is basically what is happening, but in slow fucking motion. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed to say fuck, but that's literally what it is. <laughs> no, you you can say fuck, suck, and anything you want. That's literally what it is. It is it is slow fucking motion of transforming into a werewolf, and it very much is like that. Where it, I, so I am on injections, which is the most common type of taking okay. testosterone, but people can take gels or pellets or, you know, there's, there's all different kinds of way now to, to ingest testosterone, but I'm on the most common way, which is injections. And it very much starts that way where you start taking these shots and you're just taking shots and shots and shots for weeks. And you're like, nothing's happening. I don't feel anything. This is stupid. Complete fucking waste of my time. 
And then you wake up one morning and it's like, holy shit, I have a fucking beard or like my, I have belly hair or I have, you know, all this stuff going on or my, my, your muscles, your muscles literally physically get sore. You don't even have to work out, but you will wake up sore because your body is literally physically contorting into more essentially male-like structures. So that's that's literally what it feels like where you will feel different parts of your body like moving and and constricting and just doing all kinds of weird shit physically and internally because because now all of a sudden like oh shit it's like really fucking happening right now and I'll be perfectly honest when I first started testosterone I was like I don't really know what I want to do with this. I honestly wasn't necessarily like, yeah, I want to be a man. Like that's, you know, that wasn't, that literally was not it at all. I was like, ah, let me just go ahead and see what happens. And, you know, if I don't like it, I can just stop. Cause you can, you know, it's like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I don't, maybe I'm not into this and, you know, this is, you know, this is just dumb and, you know, I'm never going to do this again. And I don't even have to tell anybody, like nobody will ever have to know. Uh, but then, you know, the physical changes really started happening and yeah i did start seeing like all this facial hair and i mean and and also um in regards to me personally so i'm latino and arab so i'm basically predispositioned to just be a super like hairy motherfucker i actually i remember growing up my first puberty i started was when i was 11 and I remember being in middle school, like 12, 13 years old, and I would be made fun of because I already had a ton of armpit hair. I already had a ton of leg hair. And all the other girls, like in my grade, would make fun of me. Guys would make fun of me because obviously at 12, 13, most guys have not been through puberty yet. They don't obviously go through it till a bit later, you know, maybe a few years from now. But like, I'm hairy. And I'm so now all these like, you know, hairless mole rat boys are making fun of me for being hairy. So I've actually have always been incredible, you know, kind of already hairy for, you know, a woman. And now, now it's like, I thought I was hairy before, like, no, now it's like really kind of getting to some place. And it, 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 to be quite honest, that kind of like jarring, like, oh my God, this is really happening actually probably made me even more comfortable with it of just accepting like, oh yeah, I guess this is what I want. And now it's like, I I have this like little goatee now and I have to shave my face to like keep this goatee every few days. And, you know, I have to shave the stubble to, you know, keep its form and everything. And I'm personally just very surprised still to this day of like, you know, how much I, I like that. Or how much I, I like that, how I'm starting to look or just accepting that this is what I look like and, and being comfortable with that. I, I wasn't honestly sure how comfortable I would be with it, you know, just even a few months ago. I'm, I'm you know, even when I won my title, even when I won a Mr. Leather title, I was still not 100% sure how I was feeling about being seen as a man. And now it's, and I honestly think having a Mr. Title has actually thrust me or required me to actually kind of give me that push of like really accepting that this is, that this is my reality right, now. Right. Okay. So I did have a, 
Another question for you. Um, I'm going to start off with a little personal story of mine. Uh, something that really opened up my eyes because um, I know you've mentioned that you you know have had sex with uh, a gay man before, and I myself identify as a cis gay male. And one day I was at the Eagle and I saw this super fucking hot guy. Ugh. And I like, of course, you know, flirty old me goes over to him and I'm like, hey, like, how's it going? And he's like oh, hey, how's it going? And we're having a good conversation. And and he's like, oh, my girlfriend's at the bar while I'll blog grabbing us drinks. And I was like, oh, you have a girlfriend? Like, sorry, like, I didn't realize, you know, that you're straight. Again, a whole, uh, I was a different place. So I, I assumed he was straight, which, you know, what they say about assumptions. Yeah. <laughs> Makes an ass out of you and me. And so he, he goes, oh, actually, no, I'm a trans male. And I guess I had never met personally until that point. This was a couple years ago now, any trans person for that matter. And I was like, wow. I was just totally just taken aback. And I was like, I would still have sex with that guy. Like, and it made me realize, like, as a gay male, I mean, I, I'm just speaking for me personally. I don't know if, you know, having the to be packing, like you as as you said it at the beginning of your story is really that important to me as much as it is the masculinity that I'm attracted to. Okay, so all of that is to say, <laughs> do you continue to have sex with gay men currently? And, and do you enjoy that? I do. Um, my wife and I are open. We've always been open, never since the beginning. And so even in the beginning, when I even when we first met, mm -hmm. I was still in many ways still actually like kind of firmly in butch lesbian identity but i i did still from the very beginning open up to her that i essentially had had sex with men not only just had sex with men but that i was kind of still wanting to do it and i wasn't really sure why <laughs> as stupid as it sounds but i just that but that it was kind of something that i was moving towards and i wasn't at the time very comfortable calling myself bisexual yet because i wasn't as as dumb as it may sound i wasn't sure if it was like a phase and everything is and i and i feel stupid saying that now only because like i've always been involved <laughs> in the education of, you know, accepting that your sexuality is in a phase, blah, 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 blah. And here I was like, am I just going through a phase? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, so, um, so it's, uh, it's kind of really interesting that you mentioned that. And I, and I actually explained this to guys and, and even women all the time that, you know, as somebody that did grow up, you know, and as a lesbian, like I remember when I was younger and I, my very, very first crush, particularly just like from TV and stuff was the Pink Ranger, you know, Amy Jo Johnson, like, God, hello. And I just remember like, just thinking that she was just like the prettiest girl. And I remember like, you know, wanting to be Tommy the Green Ranger because he got the Pink Ranger you know and and I I just remember just thinking like oh my god this girl is so incredibly hot and just being so incredibly attracted to her and then I was also really into Michelle Pfeiffer's The Catwoman like I literally was a child like oh, masturbating god. to Michelle Pfeiffer's The Catwoman and that's that's like literally how I started 
masturbating was how I would be under a blanket touching myself while watching Batman. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so as somebody that essentially, you know, remembers being like this little gay kid and like being, you know, essentially a little girl attracted to, you know, other girls or other women or like looking at women's bodies and and feeling weird about it as well. Cause, cause even if nobody ever says anything or tells you, there is just like a point in the back of your head where, you know, you're like, oh, this isn't good. Like, or something's weird. Like you, you can't really explain it, but you know that there's essentially quote unquote, something wrong with you or something different from you compared to everybody else. And that you shouldn't technically be experiencing that. But on top of that, like I explained to people and it basically conversely works the same ways with men. Like, you know, I know plenty of men who grow up, you know, looking at magazines with, you know, men of, you know, full chest hair, full bush, you know, big dicks and just seeing what they conceptualize as men. And even for me growing up, it's not like I knew even what a transgender woman was or even considered a transgender woman. That wasn't actually even something that I personally was even really aware of until I got later into high school and into college. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I even personally first interacted with a transgender woman and, and very much the same thing that happened with you where I was, you know, I was at a party and there's this really cute girl there and we started talking and next thing I know, by the end of the night, we're making out and we actually ended up meeting at another time, like I think maybe a couple weeks later. And she told me she was transgender and I literally had almost absolutely no idea what she meant. (laughs) And she like basically had to, you know, explain to me like what what that was and and kind of very much the same thing where almost my entire like kind of like worldview was thrown for a loop because yeah I was like well I I mean I'm looking at a girl and she's telling me she's a girl and I mean I like girls I know that much so I and I and I didn't see a problem and 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 I also just I personally was just like right off the bat, like, I mean, well, like, whatever, it's not a big deal. I don't care. But I know some people that are like, no, I can't, like, I can't really get into it. Or there's some people that are still very staunchly like, no, they will absolutely not be with transgender people or don't even want to think about it or or try it or or whatever. And, you know, that's, that's their prerogative. It is what it is. Um, But I, 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 I do think it's, it's fair to understand that we grow up in, in a society where, you know, that that's, you know, every, every single one of us grows up having like a very particular idea of what a man is and what a woman is. And we all, even, and this includes even transgender people, like everyone has to evolve in some way, shape or form of coming to a larger understanding of, of what gender can mean to different groups of people individually, what have you, and even and even different people's genders have to evolve. I even say, like, for you, even as a gay male, your gender isn't necessarily the same gender as a straight male. Your right. male gen your male gender actually has taken on 
its own form that is not the same male gender as a straight guy. And that's specifically because of your life and experience as a gay male. You know, you will never experience maleness in a sense the same as a straight male or even a bisexual male. So it's 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 very particular and kind of almost a growing a growing pain for for everyone to come to realize that yes different kinds of people exist and different kinds of people like me can take on maleness and grow into and evolve into maleness and very much yeah be be hot within maleness and and manhood so yeah absolutely well we're going to take a pause here and this is going to mark the end of our part one tune in next week to hear more about butch's experience navigating the waters of the mr chicago leather competition as well as to hear about some more juicy hot topics including kink and fetish Early access to part two is available now on Patreon, where you can find me as Leather Talk, Mr. Bullet. Thanks again for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay kinky. Okay.